Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and yeah, we have another bonus episode. I guess I could schedule this out for a full episode later on, but I feel like I've been away for a while, even though to you, it probably doesn't seem like I've been away for a while. And I shared about something on social media, or well, I asked if I should share about something on social media. And I thought it lended itself better to explaining on a podcast than on social media. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like social media makes it a little more challenging. It's probably just that I prefer communicating verbally than in writing, and that's easier on the podcast. Anyway, what I shared on social media was that since we temporarily relocated to Boston, we've been eating out a lot more, dramatically more than normal. And there are a lot of reasons for it. And for the sake of this conversation, I think setting the stage and sharing those reasons is kind of relevant. Number one, our schedule is really crazy. Between Roman eating at certain times because of his naps and his bedtime and trying to coordinate that along with making sure we get him outside every single day and doing something fun, quality time every single day, plus the fact that we don't have a car, but everything is walkable and not having a car makes it harder to do things quickly. But also it makes things like groceries a little more challenging. Of course, there is grocery delivery. But one of the other factors is we're in this because this was like a very, very last minute thing. And we had very specific criteria in terms of our lease term and also in terms of uh, the fact that we wanted to be really, really close to the hospital. And of course, it's Boston. And we were needing it at the same time that all of the like Boston area colleges, medical schools were going back to school. So (laughs) we were really limited. And what that means is we're in this kind of crappy basement apartment and the kitchen sucks. Um, It's small. It's not well ventilated. And the other thing that makes eating in the apartment a challenge is that Roman can't go into the kitchen because it's not safe. And so that means, and the rest of the apartment, I mean, we've done the best we can, but it's not home. So it's not adequately childproof to where he can just roam around without one of us out there. So if, say, I'm in the kitchen cooking, Roman can't be in there, which means Chris would have to be home. And that just adds another limitation, plus me spending hours a day every day at the hospital and trying to rotate with Chris. And it just... It's made it such that we default to eating out a lot more than we do at home. And at home, we still, I felt like we ate out fairly often. We would eat out at least once a week for family dinner and sometimes twice a week. Um, And it's just been a lot more than that in Boston. And what I shared on social media is that it was bugging me. And it was primarily bugging me for financial reasons. 
obviously this situation with our daughters being born more than three months premature and having to move out of our house and move to Boston and all of these things, like they're very expensive. Um, there are many expenses that have come up, um, not the least of which is, is the apartment. But uh, every day when it would just be what worked best for our family to eat out, I would have this almost subconscious, I'm a frugal person, right? So I'd have this subconscious narrative in my head being like, oh my gosh, you're spending so much money on eating out, you know, and you could save so much money if you were eating in the apartment. It's very, very true. And not, not to mention all the health factors, right? It's easier to eat well and eat healthy and control all of those things. However, I very much believe that you can make good, healthy, balanced, reasonable choices for your goals no matter where you are. So it's primarily the money thing that was getting to me. And it was this conflict between this isn't an ideal situation and we're going to have to do things that aren't ideal. And in this situation, often that has felt like taking Roman to a park and on the way there or on our way back getting lunch uh, instead of waiting till we got home and then he's asleep and yada, yada, yada. But at the same time, and especially with how prices have gone up, I mean, hello, I don't have to tell any of you guys, like, it just doesn't cost the same as it did a year or two ago. And I started thinking, okay, what can we do? And that's what I wanted to talk with you about today. I came up with a solution for me that I think is pretty out of the box. And I'm sharing it not because I think you should do what I'm doing. Most of you are probably, hopefully, not in my situation where you're taking care of a one-year-old and you've got two babies in the NICU and you're going to the hospital and you don't live in your house and you've got a shitty kitchen. Hopefully, <laughs> among other things, hopefully none of you are in that situation. So I'm not going to share my strategy with you for the sake of you doing it, but for the sake of showing you how I went about thinking out of the box. Because when we talk about making better choices, one of the things I talk about all the time is becoming a better thinker. And when we have a problem to solve or a hurdle to overcome, our default response, like what our brains go to most quickly, represents the way we normally think, right? So when I have those thoughts of like, oh, we're spending so much money eating out, it's crazy, this is going to add up, we're here for months, the automatic response that I had in my head was, we need to eat at home more, home being the crappy basement apartment. That's the default. We all have that all the time. Maybe for you, it's, uh, you know, I need to save more money or it's I need to eat less sugar. There's always that default. And oftentimes that default is not wrong. However, becoming a better thinker isn't a matter of right or wrong because often the default is well-informed. Becoming a better thinker is about training your brain to explore different pathways, all right? There's, there's 
books and schools of thoughts out there that call it kind of like first order thinking versus second order thinking. I like, you know, I'm a simple girl. I think of it in terms of like college classes. There's 101, you know, you can take Algebra 101 or you can take Algebra 201. Algebra 201 is like the next level. It makes you work a little bit harder. It introduces things that are maybe a little more complex. And then you can take Algebra 301. The 101 thoughts we have represent the way we've always thought. And if we think the way we've always thought, we're going to what? We're going to get what we've always got. And I know that if you're listening to this podcast, there's probably some area in your life where you want different results. And in order to get those different results, you have to think differently. So let me kind of cut to the chase really quickly and tell you this decision that I made with regards to eating out. Because my 101 thought was we need to eat at home more. We need to eat at the apartment more and we need to eat out less. Where I ended up was for every dollar I spend on food outside of our house, so like not groceries that we prepare at home, but if I go get coffee, if we go out to lunch, if we go out to dinner, if we pick up ice cream, anything like that, I'm going to invest that much in stocks, index funds, that sort of thing. Like I'm going to make an investment of that amount. And you might be thinking that is not where I thought you were going with that because this strategy for me is not a nutrition strategy. It's not a fat loss strategy. It's not a it's not a health strategy. I'm sharing this with you because of the way that it represented for me becoming a better thinker. What I like to try to do is explore all of the options. And when I think I've explored all of the options, be like, well, what if I was like totally in another in another realm of my thought? What if I connected this in a, in a very different way? What if I thought about it completely out of the box? What would that look like? That's how we grow. That's how we stretch ourselves. And most importantly, that's how we break out of these patterns of thought that drive patterns of behavior that we don't want, that don't work for us, that we don't like. So I thought about things like, uh, okay, perfect example. If we go out to dinner, I don't usually order alcohol. Chris does probably 50 or 60% of the time. And I would say maybe 30% of the time we get an appetizer something Chris usually orders. Like if he orders an entree, he might also get like a soup or something like that. I consider that, you know, like an appetizer kind of thing. We rarely get dessert. Um, one thing I considered was like, well, we can just go out and, and I'll just let Chris know, like we're just not doing booze. Or, um, you know, we won't do appetizers. Or Roman can eat from what Chris and I order instead of ordering for Roman. He's at that age, he's he's almost 16 months where, you know, if he's really in a good place, he could eat a whole kid's meal or close to it. But other times it just sits there and he doesn't touch it, you know? So I thought about things like that. Those are very 101 thoughts. Kind of like if you think you need to lose weight. The 101 thoughts are, I need to exercise more. I need to, uh, you know, eat less sugar or count calories. Hope you don't do that. Listen to episode 62 of why I think that's a crappy idea. 
those are all 101 thoughts. And I went through all of the 101 thoughts and I want to reiterate, they're not necessarily bad, but they're also not necessarily best and they don't help you become a better thinker because the big problem that we run into when we struggle to change is that we're thinking about things the same way. So we're choosing the same way. Then I thought about, and listen, every one of us are different and we're driven by different things at different times in our life. And, you know, again, I'm not sharing this with you because I think that you should do what I'm doing, but just to share what it looks like to think differently. I thought about making a charitable contribution. If I spend $120 a day eating out with my family, then on that day, I donate $120 to charity. I think that's a lovely thing. It doesn't motivate me right now. Might feel differently about it in six months to a year, but that one just didn't resonate with me. There's no, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Might resonate with me at a different time or in a different area of my life, but that one wasn't like, ah. Oh. And I definitely thought about creating a number limit, like we'll only go out to eat, uh, you know, four times a week or something like that. Because again, with breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it, it can be far, far, far more than four. And it just, it didn't feel like the right solution for this time and these circumstances. So I kept going and I kept asking, and that's what I want to challenge you to do. Because even in things like marriage, this is a really stressful season of marriage for, for, for me and for Chris. And it's funny because I feel like we've just had stressful season of marriage after stressful season of marriage in the last couple of years, which is fine. But sometimes the 101 thoughts don't catch fire for you. They don't, like maybe they make sense, you know, like, oh, we should instead for one day, if my mom's going to come up and help with Roman, instead of having us go to the hospital together, let's have her come later and we can go on a date. Or, you know, maybe we spend a little less time at the hospital once a week and we have lunch together. Those are all 101 thoughts. Like the first ones that come to mind, very familiar, your normal way of thinking. Sometimes those are amazing. You know if it catches fire for you or not. You know if it's something that kind of gets you excited and puts a little pep in your step. And if it doesn't keep going, there are additional layers and levels of thought. And you might think, I don't know. This is one of the things that I hear most often when I talk about becoming a better thinker. I don't know. I don't know. You know how many times I ran into I don't know? It was weeks of thinking this same thing like, oh gosh, we've spent this much money eating out today and this much money eating out yesterday. And gosh, if we keep this up over a week, it's this much and over a month, it's this much. And in the three and a half months that we're here, it'll be this month. I ran into the like, I don't know a solution here. I don't know a solution here. It doesn't feel practical to try to force this eating at home with so many different variables that make that less than ideal. I don't know is part of the process. I don't know is where we start I don't know is not where we stop. So in terms of what brought me to this decision, and again, this is not a decision about investing a dollar for every dollar that you spend eating out at all. It's about becoming a, a better thinker. I, in terms of what brought me to this decision, I think of money as when we when we use it 
we are either using it in a way that it is poof, gone, like it, it's just spent, or we're using it in a way where it's invested and it returns to us. And that's not always traditional investments. Like if I spent uh, five grand on some, you know, weekend away special family event, yeah, the money is poof, gone. It's not going to earn dividends financially, but it would pay dividends in terms of like my family memories and bonding and uh, connection and all of those kinds of things. So not every investment that comes back is financial. But I think about money in those two ways. When we go out to eat, it's like poof, gone. You know, like sure, it's fuel for our body, but it's not some sort of special investment of money that comes back to us in some way. In my opinion, you might see it differently. That's totally cool. And initially, when I told somebody that I was doing this, they were like, well, now you're just spending twice as much money. You know, if I spend, if I invest a dollar for every dollar I spend eating out, well, now you're just taking twice as much money out of your bank account. Yeah, but I'm not spending it. I'm putting to work an equal amount of money that will grow over time and will grow over time measured in years and decades in excess of what I spent on the food. So let's just pick a random number and and I'm going to use an easy number that I hope we don't get anywhere near. But let's say I spent $10,000 in eating out over the three and a half months or whatever. Obviously, I don't think we'll come anywhere near that, but just for the sake of example. If I invest $10,000 and I'm doing it incrementally over the next three and a half months and I'm leaving those investments to work for me for, say, 20 years, uh, they're going to make me more than $10,000. So it made a lot of sense to me when I thought about that. And more importantly than it making sense, because a lot of things make sense and I still don't do them, like eating at home more makes sense. It made me feel a lot more at peace about the situation. It eliminated that tension and frustration and irritation and concern that I had around this change in our spending and this change in our lifestyles that's the most valuable thing. You will come up with solutions for yourself very, very quickly, but they could be the way that you've always thought that you've never followed through on, the way that you've tried to do it before that hasn't worked or the way that doesn't really resonate and catch fire with you. That's why you have to become a better thinker. And you don't have to do this on your own either. I want to point out that this is the power of things like online communities. This is the power of things like networking and masterminds and courses and programs and coaches and friends and family and all of those kinds of things. Lean on other people's perspectives. You don't, nobody ever said that you have to find these higher order thoughts, these next level ways of thinking all on your own. You don't. I think part of the reason that I've gotten as comfortable with it as I have over the years is because I've watched other people do this and I've asked questions and I've asked people like, hey, if you were in this situation, what kind of options would you be thinking about? You know, I have this thing that I'm facing and I'm thinking about X, Y, Z. 
how would you approach it? What do you think of my ideas? Is there anything that you can poke holes in? Or do you have a better suggestion or uh, something you think I should explore that I haven't explored yet? It's a powerful thing. So like I said, what I'm doing is going ahead with what works for our family best in a day, if that means eating breakfast out three times a week and dinner out four times a week. It is what it is. And for every dollar that I spend eating out, I am investing uh, in long-term assets an equal amount. I have a financial principle that I've shared here before that if I can't afford two of something, it's a no, I can't afford it. So what that means is like, let's say, even on a big scale, um, if I'm looking at buying a house and the mortgage payment is going to be $3,000, if I can't afford $6,000 a month, then I can't afford the $3,000 mortgage. And the reason that I do that is because I never want to put myself in a place where I feel financial pressure month to month. It just life's too short to feel that. Or if I were, um, let's say I was going to finance a car and it was a $400 a month payment. If I can't comfortably afford $800 a month, then I don't do the $400 a month payment. If I'm going to, if I'm going to buy a living room set that's $3,000, if I don't feel comfortable buying a $6,000 living room set, I don't buy it because I don't want to put myself in a place of financial pressure. So this is a lot like that. You know, if I don't want to spend $400 a day in food, then I can't afford to spend $200 a day, right? Just, just throwing out random numbers here. So that is what I wanted to share with you. I don't know if you guys can hear Rumi for some reason going crazy. Uh, we actually have Rumi with us until tomorrow morning. He's been away from us for like a month. The girls were born three weeks ago. Yeah, crazy, right? Um, but I have a hair appointment. So after we saw the girls, we went back down to the Cape just for the night to sleep in our beds and get my hair cut in the morning and then back up to Boston to see the girls. So anyways, just wanted to pop in with this little bonus episode. I hope you have an amazing day and I'll talk to you soon. You've always had what it takes to make it happen. And we know the right tools can make it easier. At Strayer University, we're always thinking about new ways to set you up for success. That's why we give you a brand new laptop when you enroll in a bachelor's program so you can start off on the right foot and keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Eligibility rules, restrictions, and exclusions apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef.